Hello and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart. In this episode, we're talking with Sumith Damodaran. Sumith actually works for Sitecore out of the UK in their professional services division. Sumith, welcome to the show. Hi, Derek. Um, nice to finally speak with you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always uh, it's always fun to hear people who uh, who kind of come to the podcast and you know end up kind of having a conversation behind the scenes and then uh, uh, get them on. So it's, uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to jump on. Yeah, for me, um, I heard a lot of your podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, people like me are not there, so you should be talking to us also." Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, half the time it's it's finding finding time to to tie you guys down. Your uh, you know, Sitecore is definitely uh, a very well growing business, and it's always kind of it's hard to uh, hard to nail down schedules. So I again, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Yeah, it's just to give you a number. We got around four hundred clients. I know it's. Small and big, but we got 400 clients itself in UK. Yeah. So it is a big number. So you think about, you know, we have freelancers and everyone else who are working across so many different projects. Yeah. Uh, some of them are, you know, like maybe a one or two man shop, and some of them are really enterprise level, 20 to 30 people. So on um, in my day job, I almost talk to at least three or four different type of MVPs or solution architects uh, across all these you know, other clients. Uh, but to just introduce you, I'm a part of a EMEA team. And uh, EMA team covers the entire of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So we're kind of looking around, let's say, someone in South Africa and someone in, in Amsterdam, Paris. Uh, so just scattered across Europe. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and also like the, the team has around twenty plus um, site core specialists. Okay. Uh, so, so so yeah, we try to help people around a lot of queries and what is going on. Sure, sure. So I I don't know if a lot of people are 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 kind of completely familiar with kind of the role your group does. Uh, I know I've worked with Sitecore Professional Services or Sitecore Technical Services in the past. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about what you guys do versus kind of what um, you know a Sitecore end customer would do, uh, looking at going to you know like a partner um, or an implementation partner versus kind of the the stuff you guys are doing. I think, uh, so this is kind of a new wave which we are trying to do here is to be involved from uh, from the starting all the way to the end and even after that. So if the the partners changed, still we are there because someone bought the Sitecore license. Uh, so uh, so just after the pre-sales have happened, you know, things started rolling, people start coding, we will be the part of, let's say, training uh, or some workshops. And uh, and then, so that is a kind of a package which we offer as a step package where you can say, okay, I want to, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got some Java developers and uh, this new thing called a site curve. We have people on the training, you know, like they went in for the four or five day training, uh, but still we need some help. So we do that. Uh, we also do a lot of project reviews where um, uh, we looked at an implementation. We would like to 
you know, talk about, you know, some new best practices, uh, something happening in the industry itself. Let's say Webform to MVC was something that happened in the industry that wasn't our thing, <laughs> but we would like to move the project towards that direction. Um, we have a tool which can run through a project to tell you what is good and what is bad. Maybe, you know, SQL Server indexes, uh, caching strategies and stuff like that. Uh, so that is all covered in the project review and also at on few projects we do an end to end where you know you are we have a daily call with um, the customer to see if they want to know about what is happening in sitecore the roadmap you know let's say they think about using exm and uh, we are maybe going to release a new version of EXM next month. So we would say, okay, hang on, don't just add it to your sprint this time. Uh, some You can do something about it. We can, we can talk about it. We can give you a demo on that uh, for your next uh, release of EXM. So so we, we do cover a lot of uh, those areas. So it's kind of um, 20 to 30 experts we got so many projects, products out there. Mm-hmm. EXM, Azure, uh, Commerce, Webform, your fame. I think you talked about Webform before and you had your own pain points on that. Right, uh, right. Uh, FXM, Print Studio. So we got some SMEs who can handle those kind of queries. Uh, and we are just trying to bridge the gap between that. And what would you say kind of the mix is between working with kind of Sitecore in partners or kind of working with existing Sitecore partners um, that are, you know, potentially doing implementations for uh, for their customers? Uh, for us, we need to be a bit careful because uh, things are done because of some reasons, you know. So let's say a project kicked off and there were some budgetary problems. Of, we were talking about TDS, so let's say that they were not... Uh, they were not sure of you know spending more money on on that particular project, and they didn't use any any, any source control systems or any any site serialization. So we can't just go in and say you know what and do a project review that you should be using all these things. You know, so the difference is that where when you when you talk to a partner, they may have things in place for a particular customer because they have done a couple of cycle projects. But when you talk about uh, an end-to-end customer, things are a bit different. And uh, uh, and this new wave, which I was talking about, is, is is where we are trying to call them much many often to understand where they are on the project and uh, and and this kind of bring them back on track uh, to use the best practices so that it's, things doesn't fail in the end. You know uh, what happens is we get a lot of complaints saying, you know what, uh, the implementation is done by blah, 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 partner, but they're not happy with it. And if you are there throughout the whole journey, I think we can do a better job. That's, that's, yeah. Sure, sure. And it sounds like you, you know, before you and I started recording here, it sounds like you end up doing quite a bit of, quite a bit of training and educational resources for, for the customers as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we invested a lot of time uh, doing Workshop. In fact, um, if you look at our new training materials and the new way of training, uh, we have a big team now. Um, so, uh, so we got a technical services team and the training team combined together, so that we can talk to the to the developers or even the customers about the relevant information. You know, so let's say they are thinking about uh, using EXMs, and that is not covered in the training. So, okay, fine, we can do some bespoke stuff for them and have a workshop on EXM. And there is an EXM workshop now, which is coming through. Uh, and also, if you look at the new training material, so I started 5.2 onwards, you know, like almost eight, nine years ago. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> so so if you look at the training I had and, and, and where it is today, you can see 
lot of new components and and it's a, it's a bit more relevant to what you do you know you got got a module on search you got a module on um, configuring solar sometimes so we are listening to what people want and again kind of make a bespoke training you know to so that it's more relevant to the type of people who are coming in yeah that and that definitely echoes i i started with a new customer they're um they're bringing more and more developers on to their own team and uh they sent a, a couple developers through uh, the new online training and, uh, the feedback I've gotten from several people is that it's really, really excellent training. Um, I'm actually looking at doing it myself. I've got to bring my, uh, my, I'm, I think I'm certified on six five at this point and I've, uh, you know, I need to get my, my, I need to get my certification up to date. So, uh, I'm definitely looking at taking that training in the next couple months here just to, 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 to check it out and, uh, you know, kind of, and to stay current. So it's, um, you know, the, the, the feedback I've heard from folks in the community is that the, the, the training now is definitely, uh, definitely very high caliber. And also the training team is, is, um, is kind of working with us and, and solution architects to find out how to improve it, you know, how to have things which are a bit more, if it's a dev training, a bit more codey and, uh, uh, and put some more exercises to it so that they can do some more hands-on stuff. Uh, this was never a prerequisite to actually go through a virtual training and then come to a face-to-face training. Uh, uh, now we are thinking to invest more on virtual because uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a long thing to cover. Is this so much in there. <laughs> the site itself is big. We got uh, CMS and we got an experience platform and then we are literally adding search and other technologies to it. So four-day training sometimes is not even enough. Right, right. And, and, ha- and having it virtual allows people to kind of go through it at their own pace. I know um, that was always a... Um, you know, and it can be a lot more cost effective. I mean, I know here in the U.S., uh, it used to be that the in-person training was only delivered in a couple different areas. So if you had someone that didn't live near there, now there was additional expense in sending their developers to that training. Now they can do that. Um, the, the, a, they can do it kind of without the travel cost, and B, they can they can do it at their own pace. So it's it's you know, I, I think Sitecore has obviously heard that feedback. Um, and uh having that uh, available for customers is 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 really um it's really been a, a a nice change yep yep and also on top of it now we are also doing some more workshops especially around the best practices that is to do with helix so um uh, if you look at what the the calendar year this year you know i think the next 6 months we are doing at least around 20 plus helix workshop around the world uh, so, so there's few in, in US. Uh, I think there is a few in, in Australia, which just finished in, um, February. Uh, I think there's a couple which was done this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then there's few in UK. Uh, so, so I'm conducting one on the 28th and then uh, some in May, June and July. So it's trying to push people. Yes, you, fo- you found some information. Maybe you did a virtual training and then uh, you came for a classroom training. But uh, there is uh, there are certain best practices. You know, while we were discussing offline, we were talking about the, the kind of implementation that was done out there. Uh-huh. And uh, people do things uh, because they understood the, the way uh, training was done. And training cannot cover you. Uh, the best practices, you know, because mm-hmm. we have to demonstrate a particular feature uh, in, in a quick and efficient way. You know, sometimes in the training when I was conducting one, I had people uh, who had knowledge of Java and PHP. 
and they, they didn't even knew .NET probably. <laughs> so you're training Sidecore uh, uh, without a knowledge of .NET there. So it was so difficult for us to cover the entire 25 modules. Yeah. Uh, so and then you know thinking about Helix as an architecture, it's it's, it's impossible for t- them to understand. Some people don't even understand object-oriented programming there. So it's like okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean it's, it is a learning curve, and I think if, if folks are, are, are listening out there that um I, I think that the thing to understand um is that Sitecore you know just kind of didn't do Helix as something you know nice uh you guys are definitely pushing this as a, you know the, as a solution to one of the the kind of the long standing problems out there and it's it's not a solution that's going to get fixed in a couple of months, I just kind of had this discussion with someone else is it is, it is really guidance on how you should implement Sitecore. And it, and it adheres to really, as you, as you mentioned, kind of really solid object oriented practices, but it's not, you know, the, the, the idea is to have a common solution framework that most people come to so that, you know, it's say, you know, everybody kind of migrates in their careers and, you know, one day I'm working somewhere else and, you know, a couple of years down the road, I'm, I'm working somewhere else. And if you know Sitecore, you should be able to kind of plug right in and kind of get the lay of the land instantly. And I, I would say, you know, I end up doing a lot of work of reviewing architectures just because they're, everybody kind of takes their own approach to it. And I think uh, the the seriousness at which I see Sitecore investing in promoting this Helix pattern of, you know, the, the, the training, as you say, and I, I, I think as a, as a Sitecore partner myself, seeing the, the, the push that they're, that the partner organization is saying that you must learn Helix and you must have some folks on your, on your staff that are, you know, quote unquote experts on this. And, um, being able to kind of push this architecture it's it's in in the year or so that it's been out i you know i know habitat it's been out for a little bit longer than that but seeing the the delivery of one of the first workshops at symposium last year the the workshops that you guys are doing now i think if folks haven't looked at helix and haven't kind of um started kind of thinking about how do I migrate from my current practice to kind of fit into this framework. Uh, it's definitely something, you know, folks should do. Uh, I think it's, in fact, it's not just uh, a guidelines anymore. It's a, it's a recommended sidecore implementation practice, which means that we would push everyone towards using this as a pattern. And, and, and the reason for that is exactly what you said. You know, you move from, so as I said, I have, we have around 400 customers in UK. So I move from project to project. I would like to see, you know, things placed at the same place. You know, if you are, if you, if, when you work on, on your desk, you know, you need to make sure that your monitor is just in front of you, your keyboard is placed in the right place is exactly the same thing with code so so yes uh, there are uh, different ways of doing stuff but i don't think what we are pushing in in helix is wrong and and it's it's one of the best practices of object object oriented programming you know all the principles and everything else works very well uh, when you think about helix yeah yeah and it's um you know and i think a lot of people may push back um you know or or have the thought of like no i i'm very set in my ways i want to do this and it's it's still within the helix framework there is still a lot of flexibility to kind of mm-hmm. a, approach problems in your own way and in your own unique way uh it is just it, it's kind of a set of you know a set of lane lines that you can drive in it's you know you know, the, when you drive on the road there are, there are 
demarked lanes so everybody can kind of go where they're going. But, you know, you can drive whatever kind of car you want on there. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if that analogy fits, but it's... Oh, that it's, really fits, yeah. Really, really fits. But it's, uh, you know, it's definitely, you know, something to um, something to keep in mind. It's, you know, if you, if you haven't looked at it, know that um, you, you probably should be because I, just my observation has been that Sitecore is putting a ton of kind of a, a ton of push behind getting people to move to this platform. Ultimately, it's going to take several years because it's not everybody's going to be, you know, the, okay, let's rip up all of our code and, and write it. So it's Helix, you know, it complies to this kind of the, this framework, but moving forward, more and more sites should be built that way. And, and as these other sites either get rebuilt or they, you know, they get replaced uh, or replatformed um, within the next, you know, several, I, I'm going to say, you know, months to years, Years, most of the cycle implementations then should be adhering to this, this pattern. Yeah, so it should kind of look like you know the Helix pattern. And again, that's what we also do. So when you talked about technical services team, uh, we help people to uh, to give them tools and techniques so that they can move towards Helix. So there's a project which I was working on recently where, where uh, they were still old way, you know, they were using areas. You know, remember those days of using areas? <laughs> so they were using areas, and then we said, okay, fine, areas are it's all right, you know, to use. Uh, you are still separating your components, but at the same time, if you follow the new components and some of the old components into the Helix architecture, it will still work. And then eventually, I think they are 60 to 70 percent converted. Uh, so you can see some you know project folders, some feature folders, and some foundation folders going on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, uh, but it's, it's a combination, and combination still works. But at least you know that they are going in the right direction. Sure, sure. So let's step back. Maybe, maybe I'm a developer that hasn't, you know, they, they've kind of heard Helix, and maybe somebody sent you the URL. Uh, it's helix.sitecore.net that kind of has the the overarching kind of documentation on oh, oh, what is it. But I, I, I guess yeah. if if I'm coming new to that, you know, or if you could kind of say. Uh, you're going to be attending my workshop. What are, I guess, what are some of the things that you'd like those folks to think about as they, as, as they come into this? What, what are some of the, I don't want to say prerequisites, but, you know, like the, the kind of the thought, the, the thinking process they should have, uh, as they're starting to approach Helix. Uh, it's not just Helix. And you know? so when you think about Sidecore, first thing, we, we did push a lot of uh, component-based architecture. And also when we were talking um, offline, we were talking about uh, data source-driven components. So, uh, so there are a lot of projects out there who are not even doing that. So first thing is to basically think component. And then after your thought component, then think a bit more you know, uh, business-driven components so that you can split, it, uh, uh, split your components around that. So okay, so, uh, what helps uh, for you to build a component what's the reasoning behind it and when you are there your thought process has changed so that you think a bit more modular you think about okay i do not want to build something which which needs uh, a dependency on anything else uh, and then you know uh, we always push uh, to people to read uncle bob martin's book uh, if possible uh, and uh, in there we there are a lot of uh, you know you know the the solid principles and everything else, but uh, when we think about solid principles and its experience, it's it's all about you know how many projects you have done, and then you think about uh, okay because we are building something, we don't want the dependencies. Uh, of that particular component onto any other component. So um, 
So yeah, uh, go through the the Agile principles and practices book. Uh, that will give you a clear view on uh, how to build stuff uh, using solid principles. And uh, once you've done that, then you got Habitat.net, uh, where you have uh, even the entire Habitat project is on uh, GitHub. On top of it, so Habitat just gives you Habitat. You say, okay, fine, I can see components, but you know my project is different. That's what everyone thinks. <laughs> uh, right, this is right. when, yeah, yeah, and this is when we have something uh, out there again in GitHub, which is the which are the sitecore demo projects. So legal finance and. I think there's one more legal finance and forgot the third one. Uh, yeah, so I remember that too because they went through it in the. Um, you know, I'm sure. I, I'm sure somebody's out there kind of yelling at their car right now, and it's like trying to remind us what it is. But it's. Um, I I I remember having it explained is that it's you know the habitat was born out of uh, you know let let's build a, a solid set of demo sites just so Sitecore sales and folks can use it as a as a demo platform. But then. Yeah. Um, the, the, the whole concept was, uh, I think it was group of like, there's this, you know, all these fictitious companies that, you know, so there's the holding group that has the, the high level and then you've got like a legal site and, uh, and, a and a product site and so forth. So that's, um, uh, that's where a lot of the, the, the structure of those demos was, it, it was how it was at least explained to me. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah. um, but yeah, the, 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 the how ha- that's that you you kind of touch on one of the things I've run into as I've kind of tried to explain it to folks that you know and you know we've heard this over over the year that you know it, it, Helix is the is the principles Habitat is just a is a reference implementation of it but in the same sense that you know Habitat serves as a good kind of view that you can look at you know a functioning site. And actually look at the different components and figure out where those components were actually built. Um, but I think that's where you, you, you touch on something briefly there that, um, I think a lot of folks have trouble like, okay, I get this. I get the, you know, I get all these solid principles. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, habitat looks great, but my site's different and I don't know kind of how do I start, how do I start breaking down my own site? Um, you know, or, or, you know, not even it's an existing, you know, we're, we're, we're being tasked to build this new site. How do I, you know, what, what, what's a good kind of starting mindset to have when you look at how am I going to group all my components together? Um, versus, you you know, you know, I might be like, okay, I'm going to group a, you know, I've got the component mentality. I'm like, okay, I've got my menu and then I've got my hero image and then I've got, you know, some, some copy and all that. But I think Helix makes you, approach it from a just a slightly different angle exactly and that's but this is the thing is like when we think about it uh we think about component and the page whereas when we are preaching habitat and helix uh, we are saying uh, no think about the business value so uh, so that's why i touched upon this site code demo site where uh, you have three different uh, types of business finance legal and i think i now remember it's utilities uh, so so there are three different areas uh, we will think about three different type of components so finance will have something to do with uh, with a financial calculator and uh, uh, when you are thinking there you are thinking about another you know, business value which this particular component is going to add and you are separating it out into the business functions rather than you know what uh, a dev thinks about a, a normal component of a page which is how a website is built uh, so so th- this is the this is the core uh, 
reason why it's uh, it's dif- different and uh, it's a bit difficult to understand uh, the helix principle because uh, people still think component and people st- still think that you know uh, um uh, separating it out into uh, a functional view uh, you know this is the function of the component rather than the business value this is going to act Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's getting there. Um, you know, I think we've gotten away from, especially with the move, you know, from a general web standpoint, the move to kind of more responsive design. Uh, it's less, there's been less focus on, okay, I've got a Photoshop document. I need the site to look exactly like this exactly. because, you know, it's not necessarily always going to be 960 pixels wide. It may be, you know, we've, we now live in a, in a world where we have tons of different devices that have different you know, different size viewports. So we've gone away from, okay, that the page mentality of, okay, I have this page and I have this page to more kind of a template and more kind of a modular design, uh, if you will, where, you know, we have, uh, you know, if you're using a, a design mechanism like style tiles or something like that, that says, you know, here's our color scheme. Here's what, you know, headings should look like. Here's like what buttons should look like to, you know, here are the different components on the page, but I, I, you know, I think like, like you mentioned, it's now we have to kind of group those into what are the business function of our, and some of those, some of those, some of those components could have several different business functions. The one I think of is, you know, at, at the highest level, you, you know, your site needs to have a page. Um, but then if you look at, especially at Habitat, if you look at, you know, there, the, one of the business functions is navigation. So that covers mm-hmm. a couple of different things. One is, you know, you've obviously got the obvious stuff like your main navigation and maybe footer navigation, but it also covers a, a page needs to be navigable. It needs to be able to be slotted into the page. So you've got kind of where you might think of two different components in the past of, you know, I've got a page and I need a checkbox on it that says, you know, show in primary navigation or, or, or something like that. That's yeah. all kind of grouped together in one component called navigation. So you in inside there are the visual components for, you know, the, your main navigation and, you know, ancillary navigation on the website, as well as the things that you can decorate a page with that says, oh, this page can also be show up in navigation. So it's, it's, it's kind of a different mindset, um, to, to, to group that stuff into, like you said, business function. Yeah, and that's why I said it's, it's, it's not. So when we, t- when we talked about training, we said, uh, yes, there are people who come in from PHP Java background and who are doing all this training and understanding componentization of, uh, of a page. But then the, the next level is, you know, helix, I don't know if there's a term for that or not, but helification of, of, of the page itself. <laughs> there <laughs> so, is one now. Yeah. So, so that, you know, you're, you're saying, okay, fine, the page looks like that, but what was the business value? Why am I splitting it out into different components and, and, uh, and then grouping them together? So grouping them according to the business value that a particular component is going to provide. Uh, because the old way of doing stuff was basically layering it out. Uh, that means you got a business layer, a data access layer, and and then throughout all the layers, you can see your code just you know flowing down. So you say, okay, my navigation is in the business layer and uh, in the data access layer, and also in the API layer, yeah. plus on the web layer. So it's like, okay, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess the 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 overarching message is it's 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 a different but 
you know, not that different of an approach to think at when you come to design your website and kind of componentize things is definitely, I would, I would strongly encourage folks to a check out Helix, you know, the, the, the documentation. If, if you haven't already, uh, if you have and kind of want to see, you know, want to get a good walkthrough of what, what this actually looks like. Um, if you look, if you go to the show notes, there'll be links to both the habitat project, which is kind of the reference implementation, but all as well as the, the, the psycho demo site that kind of expand on that habitat um, implementation to show it in different contexts. So definitely, yep. definitely check those out. It's a good place, uh, good place to get started. And then, and, you know, and also on the wiki page of, of both the sites, there is a step-by-step guide. So, um, so you can actually try it out yourself. Uh, and uh, if you guys need any help, just, you know, um, get me or uh, like send an email to me or something. I can always uh, help. Sure. That, yeah. yeah, that was my next thing I was going to get to as we, as we kind of wrap up here is, is you know, may, say say somebody's not in the UK or, or in Europe, I guess, what is the best way to engage with uh, psychotechnical services? You know, where where might somebody kind of track down who they need to talk to within the psychor organization? Uh, so, um we got a technical services uh, email link, but I, I think the way to go through the technical services is basically go, go through the accounts. But oh. uh, I, I feel like people like us, like you know, myself and a couple of guys, like we got Rob, uh, we try to to promote uh, and see if we can get uh, more people interested in the kind of te- technical services uh, engagement uh, so that uh, uh, we can directly help you with, with, with any questions and queries. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely if you know, if you were thinking about getting, uh, you know, maybe engaging technical services or finding out kind of when the, the, you know, I know you're teaching the different Helix workshops. I think a, if you're looking at working with technical services for kind of that bespoke training that you talked about, definitely work through your Psychor rep. Um, that is probably your, uh, your first and best, uh, point of contact to, uh, getting that engagement running. Uh, and then if folks want to find out more about kind of the Helix training that you guys are, the, are, are doing, uh, I know there are several dates coming up. Um, is that, uh, is that information posted on the website? Yeah. And I will send you a link for that too, so that you can post it, um, over here. Yep. Yep. We'll definitely get that wired up in the show notes. And then, you know, if, if folks can't get enough of, of Sunith here, where, where can they find you online? Uh, on uh, my Twitter, so it's Summit PDD. I do check in Slack, but mostly because I'm engaged with a lot of customers, I don't reply much. So, All right. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks for thanks for being on the show, and uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.